0: Hey everyone, I'm Sina Hagiha and welcome to First Serve. The path to live a fulfilled and abundant life is to learn, grow and serve. And that is what this podcast is all about. We will have guests on the show who are utilizing their skills to make a positive impact to our world. Together, we can gain a lot of insights, expand our knowledge and apply our learnings to serve others to the best of our abilities. In the last episode I talked to John Carman and Ryan Clifford from the Tech Allies Network about how they built a community. In this episode I talked to Ryan again along with David and Sanaya from the Tech Allies Committee about the Summer Institute program that they have been running for the past couple of years, which has provided students with the opportunity to prepare for the workplace, connect with industry professionals and gain skills that will make them stand out from the crowd. However, this year summer institute was different. The global pandemic disrupted the usual plans, but this didn't throw off the committee members. They took on the challenge, adapted and delivered this program virtually. This episode was recorded towards the end of 2020. Ryan, David and Sanaya, welcome to the First Serve podcast. Do you want to quickly
1: introduce yourselves? Thanks, Sina, for having us. My name's Ryan. I'm from the Tech Allies Network, and I work at a fintech called Fiserv.
2: Hi, I'm Sinaya. Um I work for IBM at present um, and also a member of the Tech Allies Network.
3: Hi, my name is David Sint, and I'm also a member of the Tech Allies Network, and I also work at IBM with Sinha as a technical consultant.
0: Welcome, guys. It's a pleasure having you all. So you're all members of the Tech Allies Network. And one of the initiatives that you've all been involved in this year has been the Summer Institute. So can you tell us all a little bit about the Summer Institute? What is it? What's its purpose?
3: I think actually, Ryan, you should probably say, I mean, like, cause you, you started it, so like how I actually don't know this story about why, why you thought about the idea, um, and how it actually came about.
1: Yeah, sure. So the idea really started when i personally was thinking about what would i have wanted as a first year university student if i was to rewind the clock and i looked at all my experience and i actually was lucky enough i'm very fortunate to have a couple internships and a couple insight weeks but all of them were in financial services so i kind of i was meeting all these amazing uh, people within our network part of the tech allies network who have got amazing experiences in different industries and i thought well actually if i had experienced maybe healthcare and what technology is doing in that area maybe i would have been in a different industry so the concept came from that idea of how do we give first years an opportunity to first year university students an opportunity to experience multiple industries that all use technology and that is where summer institute was born
3: And I guess in the first year, we had three companies, if I remember. Uh, So each of the students that came on board went uh, to IBM and then to uh, Barclays and GSK as well. And then at the same time, they had a project that was, I guess, mainly focused in the last week, but they were focused on it as well throughout the entire time. And then that way, that was kind of a single thread that connected everything and they finished with a presentation of that project. So it's not just learning about the different industries in that first year, um, that was tech, um, finance and healthcare, but then they also had to apply that to a a specific kind of real world problem and present that back to people that they'd met or or, um, were from those companies as well. So it was, I think, a really fantastic experience for for those first years.
1: Yeah. And how has that evolved over the last few years? Yeah, so I think in the first year, we learned quite a lot because we had three companies. It was spread over three weeks, and they were kind of like three individual insights kind of stuck together with this project, um, which was to an attempt to try and connect them all. Uh, and I, I'm always critical when I think back of the things that I've done. And I, to be honest, I think David and Saniya are also critical on themselves. And uh, of you. And of me, yes. Um And as much as it is a really good program, we thought, you know, we can do even better uh, the next year. So we did our first Summer Institute in 2018, and then we did our second one in 2019. And what we did there was we made it two weeks, but increased the number of companies that were involved to, I believe, six companies. And we also gave them a, a more of a focus on the design sprint process. So we took them on a design sprint. So we could teach them a lot of practical skills, uh, along with some of the industry topics. Um, But it could be a lot more kind of hard hitting and that the the doing stuff. And I'm a big believer in learning by doing as opposed to learning by being told. Um, Let's make it less of a lecture and more of a, a fun activity. And then along came Summer Institute 2020. And I'll probably pass over to Sanaya and David around how we changed (laughs) Summer Institute to be completely virtual. And if anything, I think Sanaya had a big part in this with what you you were doing actually work-wise when it came to design sprints. You really influenced some of our, our thinking.
2: So I guess this year it was extremely interesting. We thought, how do we build that whole virtual community? As you said, we had in 2019, we had our students and over a two-week period, so they they formed very close bonds with each other and they've um, kept in contact. They've done subsequent events with each other and everything. So we thought, how do we kind of mimic this, but virtually given the environment we're all in, um, and I think really for us it's just about giving that opportunity to those to add to their skill set, both technical and those soft skills. And virtually it was a bit harder, but we use a lot of collaboration tools to try and mimic that face-to-face interaction with them. Um, and actually I was quite surprised by how well the teams all work together to form a kind of solution at the end of the one week period everything was very jammed for them but like Ryan said we didn't want to be in a lecture kind of style week we wanted them to be able to left be left to their own devices and actually go out come up with a prototype and a solution and present that back to all of us.
0: So you've been involved in both in-person events and now this year doing Summer Institute virtually yeah so what would you say has been the biggest difference between doing the in-person engagements and the virtual engagements?
2: I think it is really just building that really strong network we saw last year they'd go out with each other maybe for dinners or drinks after and had that social kind of interaction and I think they brought that then to the design sprint that they were working in their teams with because they were able to actually get to know each other and work a lot more collaboratively. But we found this year, number one, people were spread across different time zones. So it made it harder to work cohesively together. But also because you didn't know the person, they're just there for a short period of time. You have no social interaction with them unless you're forced to by us in the Tech Allies Network or something. You don't really get to know them. You don't work um, to maybe your best performance or highest performance. So I think we were at a slight loss over there. Um, And we would have loved for them to be introduced to previous years as well. Um, But unfortunately, we couldn't do any of that.
3: There is also the flip side, because I agree completely with you that that social side was not as strong as other years. But the flip side is that this year we were able to offer it to significantly more people. And also some of those people were, like you said, from different time zones, different countries, where historically we'd never been able to do that. We'd never been able to offer that to, I think, Ryan, how many countries... uh, where people uh, were from this
1: year? We had representation from six time zones and they varied from um, the US all the way through Europe and into APAC as well. So fully global. I don't know how time zones actually worked there. We we had a few students who stayed up quite late or quite early specifically for the program.
0: And how did you reach those different locations? Was it literally through word of mouth or how did you engage students from different countries and have that global participation?
1: Yeah so I think before we jump into that like to set the scene the Tech Allies Network is a volunteer group there is no funding so we don't have any money um, to go and do paid advertising unless it comes from one of our pockets yeah if anyone's
0: um, listening and wants to sponsor tech allies network <laughs> give us a shout
1: but that it presents interesting uh dynamics right because if you were trying to promote something out to large audiences you know you do some social advertising on twitter and linkedin and things like that in certain countries but what we did was we went through our different partners. So we've partnered with different universities and charities before, who have become advocates of the network and share it within their universities. Uh, All of us as committee members also share it to our networks. And what I really found um, very, uh, was just astonishing actually this year and very touching was that students from the previous two years were then becoming advocates and sharing it without us even prompting them or even asking. So it's a lot of it is word of mouth, and even last year, I remember talking to a student who came from Leeds, and I asked, like, oh, we didn't, we didn't, you know, target Leeds University. How did you come across the program? And it was just a friend of his in London came across it at uni that we did target, and he just recommended it to his friend. Um, a call out there, like we would love to target more universities is just actually having a point of contact usually in the unis that we reach out to we know someone in the careers team or someone has reached out to us and we've just gone hey we're doing this program do you mind sending out an email and that's how I, I think most of the students heard about us
0: and how many applicants did you have this year
1: you're putting me on the spot but we had this year it was over 300 which oh. in comparison like it was a massive spike in applications and i think that's what i love about us doing it virtually this year was the fact that it breaks down some of the barriers that we typically have so previous two years we ran it in london so obviously there's a restriction there of being able to travel into london or the ability to stay in london for the the period of time Doing it virtually, we had people, as, as we said, all around the world, but actually people from different circumstances. So my favourite, and I, I will use her name, at least the first name, is Maureen, who is amazing because she works part-time, she's studying full-time, and she also has two kids. And when I spoke to her after the programme, she was saying that if this wasn't virtual, she wouldn't have been able to take part. Because for her to organise childcare, she would need to know months in advance um, if she was to actually travel down to London. So I love that we were able to make it more inclusive this year.
2: And I think it was really great with everything going on in the world right now. A lot of people and sh- students especially lost out on placements, summer internships, maybe graduate roles or jobs that they were promised that got deferred, et cetera. So we were able to provide something where they could still gain some experience to put on their CV for when things do start to reopen, et cetera, that they've used their time productively, they've learned something and they've furthered their skill set and their professional and personal development.
1: That actually just reminds me, what changed this year was we opened it up to anyone from any degree at any point of the year so they didn't have to be just first years they could be you know second years penultimate years they could have just graduated as well actually this year we actually had someone who's literally was just about to start university so was finishing off A-levels and the reason why they got in was because I don't think any of us really spotted the fact that they weren't studying they the way they spoke about it, it was like they had already started. Um, but I really like the idea of someone who's being proactive and finding opportunities. Because if I was an 18 year old and I remember being 18, I didn't find these opportunities that easily. Um, so I really commended that person for finding it, applying, even though they didn't quite meet the criteria. I guess loosely they did. Um, so we accepted them because we thought, you know, we liked their ambition.
3: I think also it's really interesting when we think to the future about how we're going to be doing it in future years, which we certainly hope to do, where we've had some of these advantages from it being virtual and also some disadvantages and how we would harmonize that. I mean, maybe would we do it kind of a couple of days in person for those that can and then for the rest of it, it would be virtual. And I think actually that matches up very much with how the workplace is turning anyway where you actually do have some people that just won't be in your office they might be around the world and uh, and and yet you still work with them even if you can go into some other groups within the office um and and so you know, we might be able to do some of these kind of hybrid approaches that we hadn't necessarily considered before because you know when you get some disruption like this then you do learn some things and and you can actually you know um harmonize and bring bring the, the best of both
1: worlds what's really interesting with summer institute is it's a weird dynamic of we want to give them a reflection, an accurate reflection of what it's like to be in the world of work. Um, so our expectations are high. We expect them to be on time and we expect them to be professional, et cetera, like that. But also, at least I can speak for myself and i I say, equally for Davidence and I and the rest of the committee members, we're also quite personable, so they end up making friends with us uh, and we, we stay in touch. So there's a weird dynamic of treating us professionally, but also there's that personal kind of safe zone in that if they do make a mistake, we feel comfortable enough to go, do you know what? Let me just teach you what you did wrong or what, you, what we think was kind of unprofessional. But it's a safe environment to do it in because I'd rather you do it in Summer Institute, make a mistake there, than do it in a, say, paid internship or your graduate scheme. So it's a weird dynamic of we want them to be professional, but if they do slip up, don't worry, we're a cool bunch of people. Although Sanaya may have a different opinion because you're harsher than me.
2: No, I no, I completely agree with what you said. And I think for them, this we are maybe their first professional in a particular tech industry or whatever that they've been able to network with, get to know. And I had a lot of students from the summer internship actually follow up and I reviewed, I think I reviewed at the end of it, like 23 CVs um, of students who want to use this experience to learn and then apply elsewhere and further themselves. So it was just having that point of contact in the industry, therefore some informal kind of mentoring as well to help guide them through their career path, number one, and number two, how to get onto that career path. And I think because a lot of us we're, we're still quite junior maybe in some of our roles or we didn't leave university too long ago they feel that they can approach us and actually relate to us a lot more than those who had been in industry for maybe 25 30 years
0: yeah definitely i think when i did my summer internship that i was you know under pressure cuz it's an assessed internship and i guess this kind of provides students that sort of trial run where there's no pressure if they do well or they don't do so well and they have your support if they have any questions so i think it is a safe environment for them just to learn and even fail and not have any consequences so i think it's really a good environment and a good setup for learning
3: and i mean also we it's not just that it, it's good um, kind of ex, um, experience from from that side, but but also I think we we actively teach them things that they w- help them in order to get those. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's internships, because obviously what you know what we're doing is is more giving people an opportunity to experience um, uh, is experience the workplace, but they're not they're not working for us they're not actually earning money it's we we give them uh, the opportunity to learn things like how to write a cv how to write a cover letter um what you need to do in an application whether that's an assessment center or or whether it's an application form we give them linkedin tips we give them presentation skills uh, and then also uh, i mean those are all things i guess that will help them get a, a job and, and help them um get internships or whatever it is that they're seeking at that point in their in their career um but, uh, but then we also give them that other side which is the professional side so how do you conduct uh, you know user interviews how do you build a, a persona when you're designing a product with the design thinking sprints what's an as-is journey how do we ideate how do we prioritize our ideated ideas all these kind of things that you're um that are, are really fantastic skills that that people who've been in the industry for years actually still don't necessarily know how to do. And we're giving them that before they even get into the world of work. So I think it's, um, I, I think it's really useful on on multiple levels, because it gets them in the door. And then once they're there, they're ready, they've already got some some fantastic skills that they can start, um, you know, providing value immediately to, to their company.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I guess part of the reason behind them having a close relationship with you always probably because they know that you're taking the time out to serve them so i think that makes a big difference that you know you're doing it purely
1: for their learning
2: out oh, of the goodness of our heart
1: <laughs> i just want to pick up on one thing that you said sinner which is true but i also think is wrong um so the the (laughs) fact and i'll explain it so the point you said about there's no consequences and like yes that's true in a way but if i always look at any opportunity as actually you know being part of summer institute you are making an impression on the people that the other students but also the people running the program so you Mm -hmm. there are some consequences so for example uh if you turn up late to the program and we've had this before where someone kind of consistently turn up late each day and like david would message me and message me going he's late again um that you know that sets a bad impression in in our heads and you know at some point some of us in our committee member uh, some of our committee members are already hiring for roles so actually use this opportunity as, how am i going to make a really good impression on the people running it because they may be in in a position to hire in the future.
2: Yeah, I think we we probably nurture them as well. Um, It is a safe environment, um, but we do set expectations very early on of what we hope they would achieve, but also what we expect from them. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to be able to put our respective companies on their CVs. So they are a direct reflection of, Maybe some individuals who work at that company. So we want them to be able to represent the company well and also meet those kind of expectations in a professional manner.
0: And what do you think the students enjoyed most about the program?
3: I think I think it depends on who the person is because I, I think there's many different things. I know for some in historic years, some have really enjoyed the social side of things, but I'm thinking of, of one person in particular who who I think really really came out of their shell. And then by the end when they were coming to the presentations in my mind they'd completely transformed into um into someone that was just incredibly confident whereas at the beginning i really didn't I, I really didn't feel like they were and i i don't necessarily know if that person would say that that was something that they really loved about the program but it was certainly something that i loved being able to see them in that transition uh and i think that while there are some clear examples in my mind uh, of some individuals i think everyone gets that to a greater or lesser degree in different areas not just necessarily confidence There, you know there are many other uh, factors that that uh, people improve on um but i think with something like confidence it, it sometimes is quite clear and I, I think that is something that they will then take with them um, not just in their career but that that's something that that you know that that goes across their whole life
0: yeah what about yourself ryan and Sanaya? have you noticed Differences in the students' presentation skills over that period, or any other improvements that you noticed during the course of the program that stood out to you?
3: So,
1: just building on David's point around confidence, that's especially when we did it in person. This is what I think maybe lacked a little bit doing it virtually, because in person we would do kind of impromptu workshops to try and get them to build confidence. So I remember one scenario where actually a speaker was running late. So I had like the students free for like an hour. I was like, okay, what can I do with them? That's helpful. So we did this impromptu kind of like confidence building when it came to public speaking. And we went round a circle. And each time it was very interactive, but I wasn't giving them the feedback. I was getting other students to give each other feedback. And we built upon it really easily. Um, just starting off with first, you know, say your name. And then I would turn around like, why are you sat down? Like, try, stand up, own your space, say your name again. And then we would expand it and say, like, okay, say your name and, t- you know, tell us one thing that you're interested in uh, or one thing you're passionate about. And we went round and we gave feedback each time. And there was a moment where one student, when they they spoke about their passion around football and another student commented and said, "I hate football, but what you just said there made me excited about it. And it's because he just learned how to say it really passionately mm. that it got the other you know other people in the group excited about it. So I love that moment. It kind of sticks in my head.
2: No, I completely agree. I think so us as committee members, we all review their video applications. And there are some individuals who are, you can tell, a bit more subdued, maybe not as confident. But we think, you know what, this summer institute can really help them and give them that level of confidence because we may see something in them that we think they just need someone to push them a bit or to encourage them. And it's seeing those people who really shine out in their final presentations or they constantly ask questions and you take it back to when you looked at their video interview thinking you're going to be eaten alive um, to a point where they're so confident, assured of themselves. They know what they're doing. And I think you kind of feel like I feel like a proud mum when I see them come through. And I think the things that they really enjoyed is getting to know kind of different technologies, different kind of things that are going on out there. So for, for us, we used Marvel as an app for prototyping. I don't think a lot of them would have had experience with that unless they'd come on the Summit Institute or things to collaborate with like Mural, etc. like this. I think it's getting exposed to different technologies, collaboration tools, etc. this early on in your career and your kind of education is something really great for them to have.
3: And, and on that point, we, um, set up a Slack channel with, for all of them. And then that was a really good opportunity for them to have their own space as their own group. So they can have discussions where we're not, we're, we're not there, the kind of private channels for them. But then we also had, you know, a general channel where we could provide information to them and, and a daily challenge channel where we could actually see some creativity. And I think that's something else and we've spoken about confidence a lot, but actually sometimes seeing some of their creativity and, and, and how they've grown in that sense. And actually sometimes also the opposite of confidence sometimes there are some people that are incredibly confident and certainly kind of come across as, as strong leaders but actually sometimes it's about kind of taking a step back and letting other people have their um, voices because when you can really kind of collaborate when everyone's opinions are being shared uh, uh, i think it's um i think it's really important and for those people it's um it, it's you know, we, we call them out, we, you know, we're not afraid to, to, to say something like that. And therefore, I, I think that it, obviously we do that in a way that uh, we don't do that in front of, you know, in a rude or, 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 or a way that wouldn't be liked. But it, it, it's about making sure that that everyone, no matter where they're at, they can grow in their own way.
2: I think it's about being constructive for them to succeed. At the end of the day, we're all here because we want to help them. We want to further their kind of knowledge, their skill set and everything like that. So they they get out of it what they put into it. And we're there to just guide and nurture them. We're not here to teach them. We're here to literally just act as kind of a guidance for them.
1: So just picking up on David's point about the daily challenges this year on Virtual Summer Institute, it was actually one of my favourite parts because the whole purpose of it was each day we had a really small daily challenge that we used to get the students to find out a bit more about each other Um, but also it was a chance for them to share some of their creativity and the thing that stood out the most for me were two things like one how creative people were when they were coming up with their ideas because this was a fun challenge it wasn't being assessed um, which I think just opened up the creativity Um, but the thing that i loved was the vulnerability that people brought to some of these challenges and how much they shared about themselves personally like i've you know i've still got access to that slack channel and i look through some of them and some people went really deep and i think it's great um i really got to get a sense of the student based on what they shared so daily challenges doing it virtually Uh, this year like it was a new layer where we've never had vulnerability like that shared in any of the physical um physical summer institutes that we've done which is actually quite surprising you would think that you would get that on the physical summer institute and not the virtual but yeah Uh, and the second point actually on creativity was something that we were really looking for when we were deciding who was going to come on the program you know we really looked at who do we think has potential that we can nurture they don't have to be a, a superstar yet but we think that there's something there that we've seen in say the video application that we think we can nurture and you know build upon during the program and then we also just had people who were really creative in their videos and i love that personally uh, i would say maybe Davin and i you maybe had more of a critical eye i'm a bit of a softy sometimes if someone does something very creative yes that's me me done
3: (laughs) well I mean but also actually on on that interview point like um, I know we we split them up between the committee members but then also uh, you know to to make sure that it was balanced Ryan you actually um, read through and and watched every single submission is that right
1: yeah so it's an interesting one we wanted to have some moderation so it's a mixture of me going through as many videos as possible i didn't get through all of them um because there were like an awful lot but every video got looked at by at least two people because if i didn't cover it someone else second um reviewed it and
0: just in terms of feedback and giving the students feedback how did they perceive it because i can imagine they haven't received that sort of feedback from the lecturers but how did they perceive the feedback that you gave them
3: i know tanaya has got a good story on this
2: uh, i so i think they they really loved this kind of element because like we kind of said they're not being graded on it it's just individual feedback and one thing i think lacked maybe this year is we as like the tutorial leaders etc didn't get to know the individuals as much so we couldn't give them personalized feedback as much as in previous years where we would have liked to because they had during their breaks for instance they'd come and talk to us individually but I was reviewing um, a CV after the Summer Institute and one of the students actually said that I gave way more feedback to them than they had actually being given by their student advisory kind of at university for careers um, and that person getting paid essentially to do that job to give them feedback based on their CV and everything and I was able to give them more feedback and help them longer term so I think they really liked the fact that you know what we didn't take on too many students so we could get still spend time with them give them that kind of personalized feedback would we have liked to give more definitely but I guess that's maybe a constraint of taking on the students virtually this year
3: i think also that there is that good opportunity to for them to to provide feedback to each other as well and where we can do some of these these playbacks where the groups can kind of say some of their thoughts and what they've come up with um, and then other people um from from other groups can can have their say um and i think when it when it comes to feedback usually the way at least i know that that um i do it is usually in the in the form of Kind of what has gone well, so the positives, but then instead of framing it as negatives, we can say things like, even better if. Um, what would be even better if you know, if, if they did this, then that would be better, and then that way it's much more of a constructive way of saying it, and that way you, there's a clear path to improve uh, rather than focusing on a negative. Um, and there's you know other frameworks like that, that that you can give feedback in, so that there's it's a growth path rather than a critical, you're wrong path.
1: I think if I just pick up on the the feedback question, uh, I've seen it happen in different ways, both physically and virtually. So if I think about last year in 2019 when we did it, I, I lose track of my years, actually. I, it was last year, 2019, where it's physical. Uh, when I had one particular student who came up to me saying, like, you know, what, I'm having real issues in the group. Um, they're not taking feedback, blah, blah, blah. This is how I'm feeling. So instead of, I guess, me going and necessarily dealing with that individual, we was like, well, let's have a group session. Let's see how we can mediate this as a group, because you need to learn the skill. Like, if you're not working well with another team member, you need to know how to deal with that. Um, You can't just rely on someone to swoop in and fix it. So that was quite good. And I remember when we were doing, even when it came to brainstorming and, just when there were little conflicts here and there with where they should take their idea. uh, You know, us as committee members could come in, we could step in and help facilitate the discussion, not tell them whether an idea is good or bad, but get them to come up with an agreed decision um, or at least majority decision. And then if I think about the virtual world of giving feedback, at the end of this year's programme, because we acknowledge that not everyone got the kind of Ad hoc one to ones that you get when you you know you finish up a day. Every student had the opportunity to have a a one to one after the program. Um, not all of them took it up, and that's fine. But the ones who did, that was the opportunity for I I joined many of them and said, you know, just here's some feedback on you know what really stood out from me uh, from yourself. Um, and then, as David said, also how do you give kind of constructive feedback? And what was interesting is there was one student that I really wanted to talk to who didn't book in a session, but I, I messaged them saying, hey, just wanted to check if you you, know, you wanted this one-to-one. I have some slots available. And eventually got her on the phone. And the reason why I wanted to talk to her was because I was so impressed with her in throughout the entire program that I wanted to talk to her. But in her head, when she received the message from me saying, oh, you haven't booked in, blah, 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 she started worrying about what have I done wrong? Like, why does he want to speak to me? And like, she told me this on the like on the call. And I was like, it was the complete opposite. It wasn't that you done anything wrong. It's the fact that you really stood out. So I actually gave her that feedback. and I'm like, you need to shift your mindset in a way to not always think negative and think, you know, what have I done well? Oh, Ryan wants to speak to me. I wonder what it is and get excited because it was an exciting moment.
0: And what would you say have been your biggest learnings throughout this process?
1: Okay, I'll kick off, actually, because one of the biggest learnings I got from Summer Institute um, was actually you can achieve an awful lot based off of people's spare time here and there or going to, you know, other colleagues and saying, hey, I'm running this student program. Would you mind dropping in for an hour and running a session on xyz um, and the students get so much value from you know a half an hour session with a, an industry professional and for that industry professional they probably think like what have I got to offer but to a student it's massive and I've seen this actually change um, people's trajectories when it comes to their careers and lives um, I've run sessions before where a someone who used to work in a branch came to a head office of the bank and literally looked out from the top floor of a a building in Canary Wharf after a day of a couple workshops he just came and joined a couple like design thinking workshops like nothing massive you know we were doing these anyway he just sat in the room and took part a little bit and he messaged me after saying when I was on level 30 of this big building Canary Wharf I thought to myself that I can't go back to the job I was just doing after seeing all of these amazing things and that actually inspired him to go on and look at a degree apprenticeship and like that whole entire story it was like it barely took anything out of my day but for him it's literally changed the trajectory of his career and potential life So very deep there. And a little bit off of Summer Institute, but also similar because Summer Institute is just a bunch of professionals giving up their time.
2: I think the biggest thing I probably learned is just how much you can achieve in a week. If you look at how long it takes to come up with a problem, ideate a solution, actually prototype that solution and then present it back, in the real world, it doesn't take a week it takes far longer Um, and for our students to be able to be as committed doing all of this whilst maybe getting industry talks or skills workshops as well and for them to have five days so a working week to actually go through this whole process and I'm constantly astounded sometimes by some of the presentations and solutions at the end there are maybe one or two here and there that really stand out and you think this is Great, this is a really viable solution. And if you had told anyone else externally they've done all of this, right from having nothing on the drawing board to having this in five days, a lot of people wouldn't actually believe you. So I think that's the thing that I've learned the most, like how quickly we can turn something around.
3: I think for me, it's about um I think it's about the the kind of the ability to give back and actually uh, maybe this is echoing a bit what Ryan is saying but actually in order to be able to give back you don't have to be an expert it's almost like you know if if you want to be a piano teacher you only need to be one lesson ahead of the student and it, it's not actually that far off the truth it is you know th- th- I, I'm reminded of a quote I think it's Maya Angelou and I might be saying that name wrong but it's it's something along the lines of when you learn teach when you get give and I, I don't think that that is a um it, it's not saying that when you get to a stage at that point no it's when you've learned something at that point you you have the ability then to teach and actually you don't have to be an expert uh, in in my first year of or in the first year actually of doing the summer institute I'd never done a design thinking workshop I'd never led one I'd never been in one I learned the skills in order to be able to to be able to deliver it and to teach it and gave it to them and none of them ever knew that i'd never done that and actually that the fact of that you know that they thought i'd probably been doing it for for, for uh, months or years and in fact there were other facilitators there as well who were helping me who didn't realize that was my first time and actually it, it's a it, it is about that confidence but it's it's also about the way you get that confidence is simply by taking a deep breath and faking it because the reality is is that you know, nobody knows what you don't know, um, especially when they are not familiar with the subject. And so therefore you, all you need to know is again, it's that one lesson ahead. You need to know enough to be able to teach it. And actually it is it, not, um, you know, it is still, it's still genuine because you are still, you know, you have to be confident in the fact that what you are telling them is, is true. I'm not saying make it up, but the confidence part certainly make it up. And it's is now holding up a, a post in that saying, fake it till you make it. But, but it definitely is and actually this is kind of what we teach um as part of the presentation skills sessions that we have it 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 is about that fake it till you make it and and i think that um it's something that we're all really familiar with but actually the the difference between knowing it and actually doing it is is just one step it's actually just Mm -hmm. just do it
2: i think to echo that it gives you it gives us confidence in things that we feel unconfident in whether that might be presentation or like you said de- leading and design thinking s- session and also it's different from our day job as well so it might be we don't do maybe leading design thinking sessions or run skills workshops i did last year how to do a chatbot how to create a chatbot i don't do that in my day-to-day job but i quickly picked up the skills and put it into practice and it's nice to have something that I've been able to give back to the Summit Institute but also it's a skill that is added to my bank now that and I know that I have that and I can utilize that in my career and my job on a daily basis as well.
0: Yeah just going back to David's point around we don't have to be the experts we only have to be a step ahead in order to give back and I think the way society is right now is that we tend to feel that People have to be experts or they have to have that blue verified tick on Instagram for us to consume information and that, you know, people like us can actually provide value to, to people. So I think it's a strange dynamic where the way people consume information is that, you know, you need to be a CEO or really high up in a company in order to to listen to that person and i think things like the summer institute provide people like us a platform to give back and it's also taken on well by by students but i think sadly in society as a whole it's not like that i don't know if you have any views on on that
3: <laughs> i mean I, I actually completely agree
1: oh, it just made me reflect on the people who have had an impact on my career and my learnings and a lot of the people were not in massive job titles or there would there would be people that you wouldn't know or within the company people wouldn't know of them mm-hmm. but the reason why they stood out was because they, was at a, they were able to give me enough time they resonated with what I was going through and that made a profound impact mm-hmm. as opposed to oh, the CEO or the managing director is my mentor Mm -hmm. and gives me an hour a month. Like, actually, forget that. I would love, even if it was just, say, my line manager, an hour a month, instead of talking about work, sits me on the side and we talk about, okay, we're not going to talk about anything work-related. It's all going to be about your personal development, and that can be in any area. And I actually had that in my first job. Um, You know, once a month, we had a catch-up we didn't speak about any of the work initiatives, and it's more about what do I wanna learn? So if I had turned around and said, you know, I wanna learn chatbots, and I wasn't doing that for my role, my manager was there going, okay, how do I help you do this? Who do I introduce you to? How do I hold you accountable? So next month, I can follow up and be like, you said you wanted to learn chatbots, what have you done? Because sometimes you need that, I don't know if it's necessarily a firm hand, but just someone who can keep you accountable.
0: Yeah, I think the key difference is the time they give you and the engagement they give you whilst they're giving you their their time I think that's the, the key difference between you know those people with millions of followers and someone who's who's genuine and gives you that time and engagement
2: no I, com- I completely agree with what you said and I think we're all guilty of it we lose some sort of element of confidence because you think I'm not a subject matter expert in this particular area so what will someone gain from me telling them this they can go on go online find resources but it's like when students say oh I did maybe air cadets um, but it's not on their CV because they don't think it's a relevant experience every piece of knowledge that you have some is more than maybe the next person. So I think you have to remember, you don't have to be a subject matter expert on something. You just need to know a lot of a bit of information that you feel comfortable to maybe run a session or share with other people. And if they come out learning one thing new, they've gained something from your session.
1: Just to, just as you said that, I realized that we all went, I completely agree, I agree, I agree. I'm like, are we in an echo chamber here? <laughs> And I have one thing that I maybe disagree on is I agree with the principle of, you know, you don't need to be an SME on something, but you also need to be humble in some senses. So I know people, I've seen people who have gone and, you know, they're maybe one step ahead and they've kind of pretended to be this SME. And um, it actually is very transparent when they're not. And they even put it in their CV and you read the CV and you just kind of go, "I, I don't think that's true. An example may be that, you know, you've created this amazing idea and you've like pre-sold it to like 10 clients and it's like, okay, as soon as that, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to dig into that, uh, whether you're an interviewer or just someone who's interested in it. And then when you dig into it, you need to be able to back up your points. Uh, And I've seen people who have been able to back it up. I've seen people who have quickly, you know, fallen down on that when they've been questioned and not necessarily interrogated but yes interrogated so i guess the point that i disagree on is i'm not even disagree on is be humble as well in what you do and what you don't know
0: yeah definitely
3: i think that it, it it's definitely about that um you know if, if it's something about something factual i think that's something maybe different to something like a framework of working and i, I, I definitely it has to depend on the context but if it's something like here's a framework for design thinking that is is a lot less factual it's about here is a certain way of doing things and uh, th- there's there's not so much a right or wrong with that whereas you know potentially if someone had asked sanaya something that she didn't know for chatbots, obviously that's gonna be something that is you, you know you're you're building the chatbot either you know it works or it doesn't work and that either is the way you do it or, or it's not um so i think certainly was something that's a lot more I guess, hard rather than soft as a, as a subject, then, then certainly that, that, that is an important part.
1: I have a question for, for you both. Um, so Summer Institute, you've both done it side of desk. in um, David, in your scenario, you've done it as a placement student when you was on an internship. I think you also done it when you as a student still, you helped run something with Summer Institute. And then you've done it as someone who's working full-time. Have I, if I correctly stated that, you've helped three years in a row? Yeah. And you were in three scenarios. What were they? I th-
3: Yeah, so I think one was, um, well, just this year, I'm, I'm in full-time employment. Um, last year, I was um, in the process of graduating. And then my first year, I was in my placement year, so working at IBM. Um, but I was a third-year student at the same time.
1: And how did you find actually giving up some time? Like, how did you manage, you know, the expectations of work or whether it was placement or university, plus essentially volunteering some time to run this programme, which, let's not lie, it can be time intense. For those weeks where it's running, it is quite intense.
3: I think especially for that first year where it was a whole week um, dedicated um then it's all about the team that you can bring and for that there were some sessions that people were maybe um either doing a a workshop for a day or um or maybe a, a talk for an hour even where actually you know you could kick it off and introduce and then i was able to sit at the back and work and so it's about doing it in in a in a way where you can where it's sustainable. But of course, you need to keep your stakeholders on board. And you need to, you know, if, if you've got your line manager, and you're accountable to them, I, I think I've always been lucky that I'm, 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 I don't need to do a certain amount of hours in the day. Well, it can be lucky or unlucky. But um, it, it's really about the the actual workload. So you know, if, if I finished at three, not to be fair, that it's ever happened. But, but you know, if I had, or if I was even blocked, you know, If I was blocked and I couldn't do any more that day, I would have no qualms in in just stopping because I know other days, you know, sometimes I I work a lot later and it, it, you know, it averages out. So, so I don't, um, you know, as long as you're, you're balancing your workload properly, then I've never had managers that mind. And I, I, you know, you, you know, your, your own position and whether you can do it and uh, the parts that, you know, you won't be able to do it. You, you bring other people on board and, and request help.
2: Yeah, I think this comes in two stages for me. I think I'm very fortunate I work for a company that encourages you giving back to communities, whether that be internally or externally. But I'm very transparent with my clients, with my team about the kind of expectations. But then I think on the flip side, what we did have and what I struggled with, I think last year was if you want someone to come in for a particular session, um, and you think they're the best person for it. Certain things come up just last minute, client commitments and stuff. And I think for me, it was when someone dropped out last minute. And obviously, because this is you're doing it in your work time, and not all clients are as acceptable to this that you're giving you're taking time out of your day. A lot of people would not run particular sessions. So a lot of ownership came onto myself and other kind of tutorial session leaders etc in the tech allies committee so we picked up a lot of things when client commitments meant that external people couldn't commit so I think that's something that was hard to kind of manage at certain times um, because you may have one person in your head who's maybe a design thinking practitioner and you think they'll be great the level of enthusiasm they bring to the session if they are needed on client project you can't say no and that's where we have to really step up skill up as well and actually take ownership of the sessions and that's literally what I did for the chatbot session everyone who was at SME with regards to chatbots cancelled last minute and I thought right let me quickly put a deck together. Number one, let me quickly skill up and learn how to make a chatbot so I can teach everyone next week.
1: Sure, that. I think we're in a fortunate position now that we've run it for three years and we have kind of a, a catalog of different masterclasses that we've run before. So now if we're in that position, we can kind of plug and play something that we've used before um one of my favorites being if we ever have a gap we can do powerpoint karaoke which is david's brainchild or at least he adapted it from someone else's i think you stole the idea from somewhere else a hundred (laughs) percent but like it's really good because we've actually made it our own and every person who runs a powerpoint karaoke runs it in their own way so i run it quite different to how Sonai or david run it
0: and this leads nicely onto my next question around the future plans for summer Institute. And you might not have thought about this before, but what have you got in mind for next year?
3: I think sometimes you actually, you never know. Like, so obviously this year it was completely different to what we expected. Um, we, we were not planning to do it virtually and, and obviously circumstances has changed. So, um, I think, yeah, sometimes you have to roll with what's uh, happening. Uh, obviously, this year is is the is the obvious example of that. but um but every year we 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 request some feedback for ourselves and and we you know you also have that internal feedback where you can see what's engaging, uh, what the students are liking. and um we we tend to kind of adapt it. So, for example, one of the things that ryan was saying was that some some years people have felt that it's it's a lot more kind of um one directional where we're we're doing too much talking and it's not um enough interactivity so so we we've consistently i think been trying to add more and more um, interactivity into everything that we do and i think that's going to carry on but but also i think very often it is you know when it's when it's coming up to the time to start preparing where we kind of have a session and we we go around and, and have a conversation um what went well last time how are we going to improve what areas do we want to focus on as well because um you know as we grow and as we develop and as we learn new things we want to share those so uh, we very much do it in a collaborative framework as a committee um and and then build it out from there
2: i think something david said mentioned earlier is really key is this year, we were able to offer the opportunity to significantly more students because it was done virtually. And maybe we take this forward and we offer some sort of hybrid element with it being virtual and in person for the fact that we don't want to lose that social interaction. But we would love to do, say, the final presentations in person and everyone go for a virtual, a, a virtual drink, a face to face drink after or for a meal, which is what we usually do. Um, but also we want to allow more people maybe to make the most of this kind of summer institute with this internship so I guess what we've learned this year is that it can be done virtually and maybe we put some elements virtual to address a wider audience as well.
1: I think just to end of my views on it the three things that I'd probably quite confidently say will stay is the fact that you know, cross-industry knowledge. Uh, we're looking at technology across different industries. That is very likely to stay because we love that element. It's a USP of it. Also being quite skills-based, so I kind of sum it up as we like to teach you the things that you won't learn in uni, but you need for industry. You know, We've been talking about design sprints for the last couple of years. Uh, I quite like design sprints. I think they're really good um, kind of framework to learn a lot of essential skills, um, but that may change next year. But we still want to keep it kind of skills based. And then the last thing is, you know, we'll remain, you know, looking for students who we think have potential that we can nurture. there are three things that I think will stay with Summer Institute going forward. And then the rest, you know, we'll probably make it up on the spot. Um, doesn't matter. We're one step ahead. That's all we need to be one step ahead of the students, and we're good.
0: And how can the people listening to this podcast episode get in touch with the Tech Allies Network? Where can we find you?
1: Yeah, so there's a few different channels. You've got the website, www.techalliesnetwork.org. You've got our social medias. We're on you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Tech Allies Network. Uh, but more importantly, you can actually reach out to committee members. I think that's one of the best ways of actually getting in touch with us so you can find our entire committee on the website uh, and linkedin's a good avenue to reach out to us um, because personally i love these little messages when someone has a question and they like a particular industry and they want to ask us something i'm sure david and i would agree with being approached
3: definitely i mean i uh, i find that one of the things that we teach when it comes to linkedin is to always leave a message you know don't just um uh don't just add, add a random cold connection but actually say who you are how you how you know who whoever you're connecting with and, and if you do have a question then the question but um otherwise if it's just kind of a a cold connection request then sometimes uh, that's not necessarily going to be accepted but if you say kind of who you are and and how you you find out about us then then we're always very receptive to
0: that
2: yeah completely completely agree
0: i'll make sure i leave all the information in the show notes any final words of wisdom for our listeners
3: well i mean as so, you know i guess if i've turned that question around what do you think was the key takeaway from us like as in if, if there was one thing that you think that one of us said or, or all of us have collectively said that you thought actually you know what that that's a viewpoint i hadn't considered or or something that you thought was um uh special or something like that what was was there anything maybe i'm just a uh... That's not. Maybe there was nothing. Yeah,
0: there was nothing. <laughs> no, no, I think. I think the key message for me is that. Uh, it sounds weird. It's just like you're you're all. Like giving back everything that you've learned in order to. Make people's lives better and to have a better experience. So I think part of it is all is down to, maybe a little bit around and i discussed it with Ryan on the last episode was maybe part of the reason we do a lot of these things is maybe we felt we could have done with these things when we were going through university. Like we probably didn't have, we didn't have a summer Institute. Well, I didn't when I was at, at uni, we didn't have all the tech allies network set up. And I think that engagement with, other students who have gone through that that career path that engagement was missing so I think building that community around you know what people can relate to is more relatable talking to to us rather than I don't know more senior people or people that haven't been through that journey I think that's what the key message is for me but (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think actually that that reminds me of, of something that, that is a bit more profound, that, that it doesn't come from me. But it reminds me of a quote, which is like, um, if I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, then who am I? And if not now, when? And I think that it, it kind of summarizes, I think, a, a, a bit to, to kind of what you're saying, where actually um, the importance of giving back. But the fact of the matter is that starts now, you know, you can do something right now. You have some knowledge right now that you can start to give back and help other people with, and everyone has that. So maybe a message to the listeners is is to think what is your thing and how are you right now going to start giving that back?
0: What the tech allies network have done over the last couple of years with summer Institute is incredible. They adapted the way in which they delivered the program. And made the best use out of the situation which restricted them from running face-to-face sessions. As a result, they actually increased their global presence and application numbers since going virtual. The Tech Allies Committee are truly dedicated to helping students not only prepare for the workplace but to excel in it. The knowledge you gain from the Summer Institute through various master classes, challenges and hands-on activities ran by the committee members from different companies is invaluable. What Ryan, David and Sanaya have clearly demonstrated is their eagerness and passion to give back to the community and witnessing the growth of students and their appreciation for the initiative is what keeps them motivated to keep this going. If you're around this summer and you are a university student interested in tech or know someone that is, sign up for the Summer Institute this summer. Applications are open until the 30th of June, and I will leave a link to the application form in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe so you can get a notification when a new episode is released. Also share it with your friends and family or whoever you think would be interested in this episode. I would really appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to reach out to myself, you can find me on Instagram. I'll leave the info in the show notes and I'll see you all in the next episode.